Hello and hey there. Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast, a show where we rank and discuss any list you can imagine. Best microwave dinner, top gaming console, best underwear brand, nothing is off limits. Everyone is wrong even when they think they are right. I'm your host, Tom Lockhart, and with me as always is... Eric Shane. Hey buddy, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, What have you been up to? Oh, so many things. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to do one of these, and uh, mm-hmm. I think we'll talk a little bit about that. So kind of a lot going on, man. Uh, but hey, it's not winter anymore. It's spring now. That's always good. <sighs> I don't go outside, so I wouldn't know these kinds of things. <laughs> uh, that's fair. But I know someone who goes outside a lot. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Mr. Zachary Rancourt. And Zach. yes, I do. I go outside a lot. I I love the outdoors. I love to camp, hike, paddle, cycle, climb, uh, snowboard, snowshoe, all that stuff. Gimme, gimme, gimme. So, yeah. Zachary, welcome home. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Thanks. You even like to go outside the country. I do. I was gone for 18 (laughs) days in Europe. I had an amazing time. I did not want to leave uh, Europe, and I carried over some language from the areas. So I say words like holiday and how are you getting on and that kind of stuff. So very cheeky of you. but you pretentious uh, I like it. jack wagon. I like it uh, a lot. And what can I say? Yeah, I'm also going to be leaving, I think, for 18 days also this Friday. I'm getting a little nervous about it, though, because our first flight is through Alaska, and Alaska has some strikes right now, and it's going to be a crossing my fingers, hoping they don't cancel my flight. I was just thinking about that earlier today when I was reading about it. I'm like, God, I hope it doesn't screw you over. It's and it's only the one flight. We have one flight through Alaska. The other three are through American, Mm -hmm. and it's just like cool it has to be our first flight out when i went through Neat. when i yeah i got a, the only time i've ever had a flight canceled on me was when we went to new york city uh after christmas this last year and it's not a fun situation at all but they just sort of everything steam steamrolled them all at once they you know the pilot shortage and all that um yeah. and i'm going to you know mandy and i are going to south america in september so boys we're putting a lot of miles on us this year <laughs> yeah yes, I know, right? we are yeah. but you know what guys you can't always jump onto a plane and go to another country. I mean, this is going to be my first time leaving the country in 10 years. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, but that's where the magic of cinema can help us out. Mm-hmm. Do you want to visit Rome? Do you want to yes. visit Paris? Yes. Do you want to visit Thailand? Yes. You can do all three in one day from the comfort of your own couch. You can watch movies from all over the place. And that's why today we are doing the top five international movies. Uh, To enhance discussion, we didn't share our lists with each other, and by no means are we historians in said category. We are just a few dudes who like to talk about nonsense. So I'm going to start with a disclaimer where I was the one who brought up that we should do this list. (laughs) And I, when I brought it up, I had three films in my mind already, and I was like, ah, I can crush this out. And then I started searching for hours and hours and i realized i actually don't watch as many international films as i thought i did (laughs) it took me a very long time to do this list Mm -hmm. and we're gonna actually start off with a movie that i don't actually remember the movie now i know that sounds weird for a top five list to have a movie where i don't actually remember it but i remember that i loved it because i saw it in theaters And this was all the way back in 2001, and it's a movie called Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is a French movie. 
Now I had to go to the Wikipedia to remember. I, I remember kind of what it's about. I know it's about there's two guys and they're investigating some murders that are done by some sort of beast. That's all I remembered about the movie. But <laughs> okay. I know I, b- but I know that I loved it <laughs> when all I right. saw it. Um, so it's loosely based on a series of killings in France uh, by the Beast of Gévaudan. I think is how it's pronounced. Don't know. So there were wi- there was like a wild animal or animals that was killing people in France, and like they spent a lot of money to try to hunt down these animals. And this is a movie that's eh, kind of based on that. Uh, yeah, it's got you know sword fighting. It's got, it's like a murder mystery. There's a lion that has armor on it, which when I read that on the Wikipedia, I was like, I don't remember a lion at all. I'm going to watch this, which I haven't had time to watch it, but I will. Um, But yeah, so the first one on my list is Brotherhood of the Wolf. Great movie to my recollection. (laughs) Wow. I have, uh, I've never seen it. I think I've heard the title, but I've never seen it. That's, I mean, a lion with armor. That's pretty cool. It's, it sounds incredible. I, I'm sad that I don't actually remember it. I, but again, yeah. I was, what, uh, like 16 years old when I saw this, so it was a while ago. It's understandable that I've forgotten much of it. <laughs> yeah, i kind of forgotten most things since that time, too. Hey, I sort of reached the same realization you did, that when you're like, hey, let's do international films. I'm like, okay. And I'll wait. Do I know any? <laughs> Do, have I have I seen any at all? Uh, I had to really think on it and look around a little bit to remind myself the movies that I have seen. And I found five that I have seen, uh, even a couple recently that it didn't really dawn on me that they were they qualified as international films. But there is one from way back when, from 1966, that I saw when I was a kid that. I loved it is my favorite Western of all time. And yes, it is an international film. That's the good, the bad and the ugly. That is the spaghetti Western. It is an Italian spaghetti Western. You wouldn't think it's a foreign film or excuse me, an international film because it's set in the American West, but it, you know, during the civil war, but it does count an Italian director, an Italian production team, Italian uh, control over everything. Ennio Morricone did the, uh, the score. The score. It was shot in Italy and in Spain. So all of those beautiful old West vistas that you look in that movie. No, that's Europe. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's all Europe. Um, I mean, obviously, I love the story. That's just really cool, and the acting is amazing, and the lines are so cool. Blondie's great. I think the reason I wanted to bring it up on this list, first of all, I don't think a lot of people realize that in fact it does qualify as an international film. I don't think Eastwood was a big actor before that. Was he Zach? Uh, he was in a few things, but no. Uh, so when he did his Westerns, his spaghetti Westerns with Sergio Leone, who is the director who pumped out tons of movies. Um, that's kind of what Eastwood was put on uh, the map for. And then he did like the dirty Harry's and stuff after that in the U S but that was a whole wave of, of what was going on. You know, t- uh, spaghetti Westerns, they were shot a ton out there because, and they were big in, in, in Europe because they weren't as big here. And then they started getting bigger in the U.S. over time. Right. So, yeah. and, I, and that's one of the reasons I want to bring it up is because that it was a genre defining movie. And it's mm-hmm. a genre inspiring movie about 
uh, at least fictional stories about our own culture here in America, how they see it <laughs> yeah. uh, over there, which is that's revealing in and of itself and also inspiring and interesting too. Um, we make all kinds of movies about, you know, Rome and, <laughs> you yeah. know, and their history. And, you know, we just get all kinds of shit wrong just because, but I, I, I find it, uh, I found it funny and interesting and I love, I love, love, love that movie so much. I, I see it every few years and I just, I, I can't turn it off. Clint Eastwood cracks me up in that movie. I don't know why it's funny to me, but it just strikes me as funny. But the, probably my favorite scene in the movie is actually where I can't remember his name. Uh, Tuko, I believe he's in the bathtub. He's got the revolver. You know, yeah, he's got the revolver. He's like taking a bath and he has a revolver in the tub. I don't know why that stuck with me, but I have a revolver. I've never really thought of taking a bath with it. Maybe yeah. One of these days. Maybe I'll do that and I'll let you guys know how it works out. Maybe. Right, I'll, hon. Maybe don't I'll, do that. That's probably, <laughs> it's probably Sounds dangerous. Idea. Don't, don't, don't listen to me. Anyway, so that's my number one. I like it. Yeah. yeah the, good, bad, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Most people have heard of it. If you haven't seen it, then you've heard the... That, you know, the, the yeah. whistling standoff or however, however you want to call it. So, or ex- uh, really cool stuff. Or Ecstasy of Gold. Uh, ecstasy of Gold is magic. There you go. Ugh. Exactly. Sweet. Is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn, my brother. All right. So for my first, so let me just preface all of this by saying I am a huge film fan um, and I actually really do love international film. Uh, I have seen quite a selection, but I will admittedly say that there are tons of classics that I still need to see. um, But it's just more an accessibility thing for me. The coolest thing about Netflix and uh, and all those other uh, streaming companies is they are presenting Many, many international films, which is really cool. So to start off my list, I'm going to start with one of the greatest movies, one of the greatest movies ever made, Seven Samurai, 1954, Akira Kurosawa. Uh, it's from Japan. It is the inspiration for so many other films. George Lucas has pulled from it. Spielberg's pulled from it. Sergio Leone for The Good, Bad, The Ugly uh, stole ideas from it too. Kurosawa was a master, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Uh, you guys, have you guys seen Seven Samurai? No, I've heard a lot. Sadly, no. Okay, <laughs> so you may have seen A Bug's Life though. Yeah. <laughs> and the story of A Bug's Life is just an animated version of Seven Samurai. It's essentially a poor village who these bandits are planning to attack them. So uh, one of the village folk go and and um, hire essentially uh, samurai to come and help them, some ronin to, to help them and defend their, defend their village. Um, there's like a love story ingrained in there too. Uh, they teach the villagers kind of how to rise up and fight. Um, and then shit kind of goes crazy. But it is utterly amazing from a technical standpoint. The things that that Kurosawa was doing in the in the fifties with the camera, with the 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 grandiose scale of his his scenery and his shots and his set pieces. Um, do you guys ever, when you watch action films, do you ever notice the trope of of inclement weather happening? So rain, like during a big fight scene, there's always rain. Yeah, of course, of course. Kurosawa yeah. is the one that essentially made that a uh, he made that a thing. Um, really? it, it adds, yeah, it adds a dramatic def- uh, effect to, to anything. It also is, is it creates this sort of visual cue for you that you can watch instead of just seeing two people fighting on screen. It's, it just raises the stakes that much more. So think of like the matrix, right? Yeah. When, uh, him and Smith have their fight at the end. It's like, it's raining, uh, of course, two, yeah. t- two towers, right? 
it's raining during Helm's Deep. So it's just it's that added effect. And Kurosawa was pretty much like the principal for for the, the most of it. Um, it is it is utterly amazing. It's a long movie. And so I think a lot of people that turns people off and it's a, a bit slower. So it's not going to be your typical action film, but it's it's about three and a half hours. But if you if you have not seen Seven Samurai and you have three and a half hours to kill, um, I highly recommend it. It's you have to kind of relax a little bit and realize it's not going to be we're going to slash people's heads off like John Wick style every sure. know, 15 minutes. Um, it's it, it's a really good story and it's subtitled. So, you know, that's what you have to, to realize is it's in Japanese. But yeah, um, one of the greatest films of all time. And so I, I have to start with with that movie. Well, I really appreciate you bringing that up because there's such a rich culture of talking about uh, 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 that that brand of movie from Japan and also, you know, the Kung Fu movies in China. And like there is. Uh, there's a lot of history there that I I'm familiar with that. The history is there and I just haven't spent a lot of time getting around to watching any of those movies. Uh, I think the closest one really for me would be the samurai one that Tom Cruise was in. And the last samurai. The last yeah. samurai. I mean, which, that obviously takes a lot of, a lot of inspiration from sure. this, from Rashomon and stuff in the hidden fortress. Sure. But, What's yeah. interesting is that last samurai is, semi based on actual events. And I do mean semi, it's not based on a true story. It's semi, you know, whatever historical fiction is what it is. Whereas seven samurai, I don't, I, that's not based on a real story or real events. Right. But, uh, but I if, mean, probably maybe, maybe not. It, it was, it was, it was the 15th of the 16th century yeah. in, in Japan. So who's to really you know say, but <sighs> they are, they kept really good records. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything was on an iPad back then. Yeah. Yeah. They, I just, um, we, yeah, we, we just don't know, but, um, and what by we, I mean, the three of us knuckleheads on this podcast, we're not, <laughs> we're not historians yeah, in this no category problem. or any <laughs> other. We say that at the top of every show. Um, but I, I like that, you know, it's so innovative. I'm glad you brought that up that it's, um, that so many filmmakers that I do know that the people listening to this do know have taken so much from that movie. If that's really a linchpin movie, that really does sound like a must see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Scorsese, Tarantino, Spielberg, George Lucas, all of them will tell you how amazing Kurosawa is. Tarantino, basically, Kill Bill was that inspiration came from anything Kurosawa. that Kurosawa did. And and you and he uses a lot of the same actors in it, too. Luckily, like he was able to get some of those actors to to have a cameo and whatnot. But oh, all um, I know about Kurosawa is the the, the one song. Like Kurosawa, I make mad films. Can't oh, make films. Even if I did, they'd have a samurai. <laughs> there you go. Well, I highly recommend it, and it's actually on HBO Max. If anybody has HBO Max, uh, yeah, yeah, sure they have the TCM channel, and um, they have about five or six Kurosawa films. So I love it. Uh, Rashomon is also really good too, but that's also long. Um, uh, no, that one's not too bad. I think it's like two hours. This one is Seven Samurai is just really long. But you'd you'd see a lot of things. You'd be like, oh, I remember watching this in a different movie. So okay. Sweet Anyways, man, good. There good, we go. Number good addition. We were counting on you because you're the of the three of us. I mean, we all like movies in its own regard, but you've really kind of studied this. You've gotten into this a little bit. This has been a bit of a, a pleasure, passion project for you. So, and, <laughs> pleasure and an academic Ooh. pursuit of yours. So, <laughs> exactly. I was really counting on some info from you. So that's good, man. Thanks. Yeah, Tommy. I guess I'll give some info too All right. on how much I like my next movie. My next movie is about two uh, hitmen in uh, Belgium, and that movie is in Bruges. Yeah, 
which in Bruges is, is one of my favorite movies. I It's probably in my top 10 movies. Um, it is the perfect amount of just dark comedy. And so the movie is about two hitmen are hanging out in the city of Bruges in Belgium. Uh, one of them has just made a, a, a big mistake on his last job. You're not really sure at the beginning what the mistake was. And you find out later that he accidentally shot a kid while he was trying to kill somebody else. Um, And the second hitman that's there with him is actually there to take him out. Uh, But he doesn't really want to do it. But the boss man, uh, this is starring uh, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and Rafe Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes is the the big bad boss guy. Um, And it's just... A real good dark comedy. It's like the perfect role for Colin Farrell. This is the role I always want to see Colin Farrell in. This and The Penguin. Those are the two roles that I think he should <laughs> do forever. Um, and eh, Ray Fiennes is such a dick in most the most beautiful way. He plays such a good bad guy. And he plays a good bad guy in so many different ways. <laughs> like he's Voldemort. He's yeah. uh, the bad guy and Schindler's List. I can't remember the character's name. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Let's just face it. A- or Red Dragon, which I'm rereading the the book Red Dragon right now, where he plays yeah. the Tooth Fairy um, in the movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, In Bruges is a great movie that I watch every year, just about. And I could, I'll probably watch it tonight because now I'm thinking about it. And have either of you seen in Bruges? I have Someone not. Zach has. Yeah, a long time ago. I don't remember much about it. Um, I, I, I thought it was funny. I remember it being pretty funny, too, for the most part. But yeah, Colin Farrell does a really good job in it. Um, from what I remember, the cast is stacked. Brendan Gleeson is awesome. Love that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Ray Fiennes is also really good, too. There's like three Harry Potter actors in that movie. <laughs> but I mean, most most uh, most UK actors are in the Harry Potter films anyways. So. Like, are in Harry Potter and Game of Thrones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The who's who. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. No, I, I haven't seen that movie. But okay, again, probably something to go on the list. Um, I'll, I'll just go into my number two then. Uh, my number two is an interesting movie. I, I forgot that I, I, I'd seen it one night. It's, uh, it's called No uh, from 2012. Uh, I wanted to go South America with a couple of them on my list because I'm, I'm going there. Um, this is a, a bi- kind of a biopic. It's based on a true story about the end of the military dictatorship of uh, Chile. Uh, General Augusto Pinochet, maybe that's a name you've heard. Uh, the CIA helped him overthrow the previous government in a coup. And then he turned around and led like a tyrannical dictatorship for 15 years. Does that sound familiar? Um, <laughs> so, so yes, that happened in South America and Chile. Uh, he wielded a tremendous amount of power. Uh, he was later on charged with genocide and all kinds of shit. Anyway, he had been running the place. It was a brutal dictatorship for over 15 years. And there was a tremendous amount of international pressure in the 80s for him to step aside for a democratically elected government. Uh, the regime ended up asking the public for what they called uh, a national plebiscite uh, in 1988. And they had done this before where they had uh, they had done the Saddam Hussein thing where – he just he was president, democratically elected president, but you know, air quotes, right? They would hold a an election that they would go out of their way to 
to slant it and pressure and put pressure on people at the polls and things like that and intimidate people to voting the way they want to. It's like, see, the people demand I, I serve, and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, in this particular case, they had two choices. Uh, in 1988, they could vote yes, which would authorize Pinochet to stay in power for another eight years, or they could vote no, and he would set down power and a new government would be elected. Uh, so the main character in this is Rene, and uh, he was a successful advertisement uh, creator, and he was approached by the No campaign to help them out. And it was a big old cluster, and they couldn't quite get their messaging correct, and he ended up figuring out a way to, since each campaign was allowed uh, 15 minutes of airtime, like just straight advertising every night, what his idea was to kind of keep it a little bit light and breezy, <laughs> a little bit, uh, uh, some mocking elements and some satire in there as well to kind of keep it fun, but also kind of give a, a hopeful view towards democracy in the future, juxtapose against the brutal realities and the pessimism of the dictatorship. Right. Anyway, his boss was super into uh, Pinochet because he like benefited from, he was one of the high upper class. He benefited from it. So he had to keep his activity secret for a long time, but you know, eventually word got out and he faced a shitload of threats and pressure officially, unofficially, all kinds of scary stuff. There were people disappearing or getting disappeared left and right. Um, I really, yeah, it's like I think the closest con comparison would be a Saddam Hussein like figure. That's what Pinochet was, except Hussein was more evil. But still, uh, long story short, uh, without too much spoiler, <laughs> eventually uh, they have their election and the No campaign wins. Uh, and he wasn't going to give up power because he's a dictator. But eventually the military actually made him give up power. The military sided with the no campaign, partly in fact because of this guy's uh, advertising. So uh, it's a really cool film. It's on Prime. You can go rent it, go see it. It's a pretty cool film, pretty cool flick. Uh, it's in Spanish, but it's got English subtitles. Um, I think it came, like I said, it came out in 2012. And I think here in the U.S. it came out in 2013. Uh, but it's a really interesting movie. I really I dig, like I said, I dig movies based on actual events. Uh especially if I know little to nothing about the actual events themselves, learn a little bit about the history of what happened in that country, even if it's just recent history. Um, there's a lot of gatekeeping with any sort of nerdum or geekery and uh, history geekery is no exception. They'll tell you like, Oh, well, yeah, oh, no, but actually you got to learn. You got to read this textbook of 600,000. Nah, fuck yeah. you. Watch the, <laughs> watch the movie. It's, it's, it's okay. You'll learn plenty. So, uh, it's, yeah, the movie's called No from 2012. It's on Amazon Prime. Go check it out. Very cool. I've never heard of it, so I like it. Yeah, me yeah. neither. <laughs> um, cool. Okay, so jumping to my number two, um, I just realized that all of my choices are from Asia, which isn't a bad thing. No, but, uh, sort of a big continent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I am jumping from a kind of action film to a balls to the wall action film. Um, have you guys seen John Wick? Oh, yeah. I think I have. Yeah. So Chad St Stahelski uh, and even, I mean, Keanu Reeves to an extent 
they work with a lot of amazing stuntmen and they know a lot of amazing stuntmen. And very fortunately, many of these amazing stuntmen were in a movie in 2011 and they subsequently were also in uh, John Wick, like one, two and three. Basically, they got work because they're incredible. So I am a huge fan of practical fights and fight scenes. But in 2011, there's an Indonesian field, Indonesian film called The Raid Redemption. Mm-hmm. And have either of you seen it? Yeah. No. Okay. The Raid Redemption is utterly amazing. It is a stupid, simple plot where the there's a um, police force in Jakarta and they have to go to a drug lord's uh, giant uh, slum high rise, like an apartment building uh, with, you know, hundreds of residents. And they are trying to sneak in there to capture him. But he flips the table. He he how the tables have turned or how the turn tables. There we go. Um, <laughs> when they go in they get attacked. And so they have to basically then fight their way out and also capture him. Uh, But what happens is just an onslaught of violence, tons of amazing hand-to-hand combat, amazing stunt work and practical effects, some of the coolest fight scenes I've ever seen in my life. But holy crap, it is such a good movie. And then um, they made a a sequel called The the Raid 2. (laughs) So uh, if you have not seen them, I highly recommend them. They are balls to the wall action. And yeah, love every minute of it. So Uh, yeah, it's just insanity for two hours or so. Just just crazy shit happening. People just there is a movie. There is a movie. uh, So in 2000 and I think like 13, uh, they did a Judge Dredd remake with Carl Urban and it was just called Dredd. It's the exact same plot where he goes into that apartment building and then the crime boss lady, Lena Hetty, is like, hey, kill him. And so everyone has to try to kill Dredd. It's the exact same plot as the Raid Redemption. Raid Redemption came out before that. But holy buckets, man, it is so good. And there were talks that they were trying to remake it as an American version. I will. I won't see it. It will make me Don't really angry. <laughs> it's like when they remade Point Break, and I'm like, "Why'd you do that? Why'd you yeah, massacre why? my boy?" <laughs> so, Come on, look what they yeah. did to my boy. Yeah. So uh, I, I highly recommend any action fan to watch it and just be in awe with with the the martial arts work that they do and oh, incredible. So. All right, nice, good choice. Wow. I guess that brings it over to me again. Yeah, I think you're number three, right? Yes, my number three. And my number three is also going to be a movie with some fighting in it. But this movie is is Kung Fu plus Looney Tunes. Um, and I'm talking about Kung Fu Hustle. Oh. Kung Fu Hustle is, is a very, very fun movie that just comes out of nowhere sometimes where like, it seems like a normal like Kung Fu movie. It's got a lot of slapstick comedy, which I love. It's great all the way through. Um, But then all of a sudden there'll be like the most Looney Tune of Looney Tune things that happen. Like at one point the lady runs away and her legs go like in a twister sort of thing where you only see like in a Looney Tunes movie when they run away. And it's just like, this happens all the time. And I love every second of it. Uh, The story is just, there's a guy who wants to join a gang, the ax gang. Uh, He's kind of a dick. 
but you can see he has redeeming qualities and he kind of goes back and forth between being a bad guy and a good guy. Um, and then he becomes the ultimate martial arts master, of course, because that's what you got to do at the end of the movie. As one does. Yes. Yeah. And there's this really powerful martial arts guy who's also kind of a frog <laughs> who has like these frog moves. And I just love the ridiculousness of all of it. I, I'm actually a fan. There's a bunch of different movies like this. There's what uh, Shaolin Soccer, I think, is one of them, where it's just kind of like just a little bit too crazy in the best possible way. Um, and I could watch these movies all day long and never never be tired of them oh boy okay yeah that i i like a good ridiculous movie myself but i'm a little bit of the mindset that if i'm gonna watch ridiculous movies i kind of like to uh uh stay a little close to home on that (laughs) i don't know why (laughs) that's just a little bit the way i am um zach what about you you like ridiculous movies right yeah but i haven't seen um kung fu hustle i know what it is obviously but yeah i haven't seen kung fu hustle well, you both should. Maybe. Okay. Maybe Asian countries do crazy the best. <laughs> <laughs> I will take your word on that. I think I'll move. Have you my... ever seen a Japanese game show? Yes, I have. Crazy. <laughs> okay, but understand that Japan is its own specific. Well, kind I, I'm of... aware. Japan is I'm the just, Portland yeah. <laughs> of Asia. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it may all be weird, but Japan, Japan's special weird. There you go. And they pride <laughs> themselves on it too. So. Bless him. Uh, uh, I want to go to Japan one of these days. That's definitely one of those places I'd like to go. So you haven't gone to Tokyo or anything like that. Have you, Zach? No, it's on. It's next on my list. I want to go to Japan and not just Tokyo. I want to go everywhere. Absolutely. Okay. Well, speaking of going everywhere, uh, I am all, I am sticking with South America, but uh, everywhere in South America, basically this movie is called the motorcycle diaries from 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're familiar with this movie. I take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I chose this movie for the same reason I chose no. Uh, I like movies based on actual events. I like biopics. Um, now I want to be clear that I don't advocate for Che Guevara or his Marxist ideals at, at all. But it's an interesting movie of how he came to the conclusions he came to as sort of a, a idealistic medical student who's just wanted to travel the countryside and get a little bit exposure before he moved on with his career. He and his brother were going to go work at a leper colony. It was never how he turned into a revolutionary is a byproduct of what his experience was during this trip across South America, the South American countryside in 1952. Um, I get how, when you go through the kind of experience he went through, when you go through these countrysides like of South America, really anywhere that a government or media seems to forget about those people on in the margins of society, they can, that can have just a huge effect on your person and on your politics. Um, he personally witnessed the suffering of these indigenous peoples of South America. These are people who speak Quechua primarily, not Spanish. Quechua is the the language of the Incas. This is the Andean language. This is their primary language. It's the language they grow up speaking. And they learn Spanish in school because they have to, because Spanish is the national language of these countries, right? Uh, A lot of them also speak English when they grow up too, but that's for tourism reasons. Guys like me (laughs) coming down there want to come visit. Um, But uh, these people out in the countryside and up in the Andes, they speak Quechua. And uh, he was 
really impressed by how those people seem to get taken for granted and forgotten about by the people in, by the governments in the cities in, in Cusco and in Lima and in, um, in any of the other, you know, major cities uh, that he traveled through. And there was one particularly powerful scene where he was at Machu Picchu that, and he wrote in his diary there that he was wondering how he could feel nostalgia for a world he never experienced personally and that he knew that the Spanish had won that, that conquest because they had the guns. Right. Uh, and the movie shows in that instant where he and his brother talk, his brother brings up like, uh, uh, how to start this, you know, this political party of farmers and indigenous peoples to, to get power. And Shea had reached a point in his thinking. He's like, yeah, without guns, you're not having a successful revolution. Like he had crossed a, a threshold at this point. Um, and the movie does an interesting job showing where he's asking how the Inca empire can become what this is today. And it sort of showed, uh, and I don't know a lot about cinematography, but this one was pretty really stuck out to me. It's sort of upward camera angle and sort of the, the majesty of the lost Inca empire. And then it showed a downward shot, a way distant downward shot at grimy, dirty Lima, right? With all its poverty and its squalor and its bright lights and its dirt and its crime and all that other stuff. So that that really stood out to me as a shot. That one kind of beat me right over the <laughs> right over the head. I'm not a guy who's trained to look for it like Zach is, but that one was easy to catch. Uh, otherwise, though, I mean, like I said, I don't advocate for his politics of the man personally, but it was a really interesting movie. Again, it's another one that's on Amazon Prime, and I highly recommend you check it out. The Motorcycle Diaries. Well, I D- guess I will check it out. Yeah, you ought to. Zach, you've seen it, right? I have not, but I know what it is. Okay. <clears throat> and yeah, it's uh, praised really well. Uh, Gail Bernal uh, Garcia, I think, is, is yeah. plays che-, che Guevara. So He's incredible. Yeah it's, yeah, it's supposed to be really good. 2004. Yep. Yeah, not that long ago at all. That was quite some time ago, but good good choice. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. It's, uh, it's praised very well universally. All right, thanks. Okay, so that's my number three. <laughs> So for my number three, um, I am going to China. Uh, The year is 2000. The director is Karwai Wong. And this is the movie called In the Mood for Love. Uh, I doubt that either of you have seen it or heard of it. But it is, the best way to describe it is that it is a near romance film. It is not a romance film. It is a near romance film. And basically, it's just about uh, a couple that they live in a very crowded uh, apartment building as many buildings are in China where people are basically stacked on each other and uh, it's a man and a woman. They both are married, have a husband and wife. Uh, you don't get to see the husband and wife, but basically what happens is their husband and wife are having an affair with each other. So this couple then start a relationship. That's a friendship that they try to progress to something more and they spend this time together. Um, they get to know each other. They kind of, uh, embellish certain things and live this fantastical kind of dreamlike scenario together, but they never really act on, on their urges or their feelings. And they can never really come to full terms of being like, I love you or, or getting to that point. And so it's, um, it's a really, really interesting film because it, it deals with the two people. Well, it deals with two people who just, they fall deeply in love, but are 
unwilling to kind of accept um, accept their happiness together because of everything that they're dealing with on the inside. And so it's 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 a very introspective film. It's something that you can l- uh, look at yourself through. And, and we've all had situations like that where you have a missed connection or you're just not ready for a relationship with somebody because of something that you're dealing with. Um, and it's, it's so beautifully done, but, uh, yeah, in the mood for love, it's, it's a fantastic film. I don't know if it's streaming right now, but yeah, from the year 2000 in China. Hmm. Yeah. Misconnections. I mean, timing's a, timing's a bear. Mm -hmm. And from a stylistic standpoint, it's, he does an amazing job with it, uh, with his framing, with his color palette. Um, I mean, he, he took some from Hitchcock from, from Vertigo, the amazing color scheme that they use there, but it's very good. You know, I, I'm glad that we have not really had any crossover yet. I mean, we're not even, even, we haven't even really crossed over the same countries yet. I mean, we, I told you, nice. I bet we're going to have, I bet we're going to have one, but I told you I have a uh, quite, quite a, quite an array there. So. Yeah. We'll see what happens in these last two. Yeah. All right, Thomas, your turn. <sighs> Uh, so my next one, let's see if either of you have this, is a 2008 movie from Sweden. Huh? Anyone have Sweden on their list? I have. I do not have Sweden on my list. Okay. And this is the movie Let the Right One In. Mm, good choice. Let the Right One In is a vampire movie that's also kind of a coming of age movie <laughs> that's also about a kid dealing with his bullies. Um, so it's about a kid who has bullies mm-hmm. um, and a little girl moves in next to him with a, with an older man. Um, and it turns out this little girl happens to be a vampire. No big deal. <laughs> uh, so it's just kind of the two of them becoming friends in a weird vampire little kid sort of way um, where I think by the end, if I remember correctly, the little kid's kind of going to become her ward, which is what the old man is. Uh, it's going to be her future ward to live with her. Uh, and there's one scene in particular that I love that I actually watched right before the podcast. So the kid gets lured to a pool uh, by his bullies. And his, like the main bully's older brother's there. And they're holding his head underwater and you see the perspective of the boy with the hand on his hair underneath the water. And he struggles a little bit, but then just kind of gives up. And then you start hearing screaming coming from above the water and you see like legs going across the pool, kicking, and then they stop kicking because that person's now dead. Uh, And then gets pulled out of the water. A head gets detached and thrown into the water you see it just hit the water and drop to the bottom and then all of a sudden you see the hand that's on his hair kind of just drifts off and it's no longer connected to anyone and then the little vampire girl pulls him out of the water and saves him and it is an intense scene where you've mostly seen nothing <laughs> and it is i I love that scene. Oh, what it was the so hell good is that movie again. called? I'm looking that up right now. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's called Let yeah. the Right One In, but there is an American remake uh, from from actually Matt Reeves, uh, who just did the Batman, and it's called Let yeah. Me In. And um, so you pick your poison on which one. I always go for the original, so I would say yeah. Let Let the Right One In. It's pretty it's pretty gnarly, like watching it. it it's kind of all over the place. Let but the Right One In from 2012? Is that when the... 
2008. Yeah. 2008. Yeah. And, um, but then the let me in came out in 2010. So that's, uh, and there's some actors you'd recognize in that film. I, I highly recommend watching just let, let the right one in. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yikes. Ugh. <laughs> Bullying's at a bunch of assholes. Good choice, Tom. Uh, I like it. That is a good choice. I'm going to watch that scene a little bit here because I really want to see some bullies get decapitated. That's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're just, they're just desserts. So speaking of bullies, um, what do you got, Eric? <laughs> this movie, uh, this one's going to, is going to be kind of a loose review. Uh, it's called Les Miserables, but it's not the Victor Hugo mm-hmm. version. This is the 2019 version. Maybe you've seen this one, Zach, or maybe you've heard of it. I have not. I've heard of it though. Okay. Um, Boy, this one's topical. Uh, this is a recent film. Um, like it's a 2019 uh, French drama that uh, it takes place in Paris. This is right after the 2018 FIFA World Cup, and it's supposed to be you know the whole country's pumped and jacked and patriotism and all that good stuff. They're celebrating the the victory of the French team uh, at the World Cup. Um, but there was a lot of police violence that happened in these crowds and in this, in the scene, in the, in the days to come. Uh, and it covers the movie covers a young police officer who had recently moved to Paris and joined the anti-crime brigade. Uh, he's working with the, this new squad leader and uh, the, the squad leader is one of those that the, they were going for the kind of the edgy cop who lives on the edge, you know, <laughs> that kind of guy, the dirty Harry that lives on the edge sort of, you know, does what he got to do to get the job done. And that's pretty much the way he feels that what he's doing, but what he's actually doing is taking his bigotry out on folks. Like he is specifically going after black folks a lot. There is a lot of racially motivated police sanctioned violence going on here. And, um, it got to the point that in these neighborhoods around Paris, the ones that they don't put on postcards, but the ones, you know, exist, um, the 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 people were kicking back and going after these the police and when you have people targeting police that's when all hell breaks loose we saw that from 2020 um so we we saw a little bit of that uh in the in the movie as well and it sort of ends ambiguously like on purpose but the point of the film was to draw attention to the fact that paris is this and zach can talk about this because he just came from there is one of the most deeply interesting, culturally important places in all of human history. It is so beautiful and so cool. Uh, I remember John Oliver talking about when uh, uh, ISIS, uh, the, the shootings there that attacked, it was like ISIS inspired. Whatever. He's like, if you're trying to get into a culture war with France, good fucking luck. Yeah. Right? Uh, but the point of the film is to show that even there, I mean, it is not a post-racial like utopia, like there's, there's a lot of problems. And when you have uh, pathways to power for bigots to gain power unchecked and good people allow it to happen, this is the kind of violence you get. And that kind of hit close to home that it, we see a lot of that here. And so seeing it there too, it, it was a movie that really hit, hit close to home for me. And the fact that it came out in 2019, which is before uh, once again, uh, the the 2020 situation here. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really good movie though. Won all the awards, all of them. Um, I, I don't, I couldn't see where it was on. It might be on Netflix. You can go see it, but 
it's a it's a good movie. Uh, I think it's on Prime Video. Is it on Prime? Watch it on Prime. It's yeah, it's free with Prime, I believe. Okay. So. Yeah, Les Miserables. Yeah, I've not seen it, but I know what you're talking about. So, and uh, Paris is is yeah. I mean, France has their own issues as well. It's a gigantic city. It's one of the biggest cities in the in the world. So obviously they're without issues, um, or they are not without issues. I should of say. Course. But and they definitely have had the history of a lot of uh, up up uprisings, you could say, revolutions, change, <laughs> terrible years, all that kind of stuff. Famously, so. they've had political troubles. Yes, <laughs> I would say so. Where they remove uh, a monarch and then put in an emperor instead. <laughs> they said we're going to fix things, and then they're like, nope, Napoleon's coming in. And it's like, wait a minute now, you were promising us to get rid of the monarchy, and you did that, but you made yourself an emperor, so. There's a lot, a lot going on, but uh, yeah, France it's, is a beautiful different. country, beautiful country. So rich in, in, in history and culture and absolutely love learning about all that kind of stuff. So. Very cool, man. Good choice. I Thank dig you. It. Thank you. Um, so for my fourth one, I am going to, where am I going? I'm going to uh, Japan uh, again. Otome nice. Base. And uh, this movie came out in 1988. So the year after I was born and it is from Miyazaki. Uh, Heo Miyazaki. He is one of the most famous directors of all time. And more specifically, he is famous for his animated films. Everyone, well, not everyone, but most people have heard of uh, his films. But the one that I'm focusing on is My Neighbor Totoro. And I absolutely love this movie. I know people really love Spirited Away. I couldn't get into it because I've never really been like an Alice in Wonderland style fan. So I, I appreciate Spirited Away, but My Neighbor Totoro is is amazing. It is essentially about these two girls and their father that have to move out to rural Japan um, because their mother is sick in, in a hospital and they have to go out there so she can get care and um, and they live with their dad. It's it's dark. It's stormy. There's it's out, they're out of their comfort zone, but their father teaches them to make a fearful and dreadful situation, uh, treat it with a smile on your face or or laugh at it to make it less scary. And I think that's such an interesting take uh, because as children, you know, we're scared of everything. But in reality, all you really have to do is look at something and just laugh at it or or think of it as, as a game or nothing that's that serious um, and be a child. And so they encounter the youngest daughter encounters this uh, creature in the woods when she's exploring and he's a giant monster and his name is Totoro and he's a very adorable. She you'd think that she would be scared of him, but instead of uh, running away after he growls at her, she growls right back at him and accepts him. And so throughout the film, it's basically just about. What's the way? Okay, so I wrote this down. So it, it immerses us in a world with intricate settings and sounds, and we live vicariously through characters as their stories unfold before us. Uh, those are what Miyazaki films do. But with this one, it's a, it's about tackling fear head on and tackling uh, trauma and heartache and all those sad things because they jump back to reality where they have to deal with the real possibility of their mother passing away. And you won't see that very often in, in children's films. But how how you can handle that instead of just being really upset about it is is looking to this fictional character and uh, kind of laughing at it. Yeah. And so it's 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 a really, really heartwarming and sweet movie. Um, I highly recommend it. There are so many themes going on with it, but you've probably seen Totoro like 
just as a character anywhere. Yeah. Um, I guarantee if I sent you guys a picture, you'd be like, oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I've so. seen that. I definitely know what you're talking about, but no, I have not personally <coughs> seen. Uh, yeah, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't if I, you know, didn't put any um, Miyazaki films on here because he the man is a legend. And so uh, there's a lot of amazing stuff from him. Man. Well, I'm glad he dipped back into the well there. That's pretty good. No, I haven't seen it. Um, as a matter of fact, I've been wanting to actually watch more anime, like when I have time and I'm actually done with it's on HBO Max. <laughs> I know there's a ton of it out there, but Studio it's like, Ghibli. well, I mean, the, you're just lousy with choices, aren't you? I mean, there's so many out there that people swear by like, no, nah, you got to get the speaking of gatekeeping. I, mean, there's, I know, right? <laughs> there's so many out there that it's so many opinions. You just don't know where to start. So it's almost, it really is almost like, you know, if you didn't grow up with it, good luck learning it after you're 20. But, uh, I, 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 I want to look more into it. So, yeah. And this isn't really necessarily anime. I would say this is just a it's Japanese animation. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Obviously there's a difference. I just wanted to point out that, um, a lot of what we're talking about here with these international films is the, the cultural differences, uh, and, and similarities about what these filmmakers are fine. And their writers are finding important to tell in their story. You've talked a lot about you and I, we've talked a lot about the similarities <laughs> that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that people are people no matter where they grew up, people are still people. Right. Um, yeah. But there all there also are a lot of differences in what these directors are choosing. You talked about that with Kurosawa. What did he choose to focus on? What was important to him? Uh, that's really very revealing. So mm-hmm. when I say anime, you know, they're not just cartoons. I mean, they don't have really a whole lot of sitcoms like we have here in America. Anime is what they watch. So yeah, no, these these are very well thought out films, and they're beloved by pretty much everybody. And um, Miyazaki had such a, the message behind his films a lot of the time, I mean, he always had a strong message about the environment and nature and protecting it at all costs. And I think it's just, it's, it's wonderfully told through this medium, but highly recommend it to anybody. There's a Studio Ghibli um, actual hub on HBO Max if you're ever interested and they have every Miyazaki film on there. I think his very last one was, uh, I can't remember. I saw it in theaters and I really enjoyed it, but yeah. Oh man. All right. Let's put it on the list. It's a good choice, man. Sweet. It's number five. I think Tom, are you leading us down number the back stretch? Five. Yes. With right, my buddy. last one. Let's do now, it. This last, this last one uh, might not even be the best movie by this particular person. Um, but it is one that I hold dear to my heart because one day I was at a Walmart and I found this movie in the $5 bin <laughs> and I thought, Oh, I can buy this. Eh, it's probably going to be okay. And that movie was Ungbok two. <laughs> nice. Now, if you aren't aware of Ungbok, there are three of them. The first movie, uh, it stars Tony Ja, who is a great martial artist. He does Muay Thai. Um, he's my favorite when it comes to actual like fight sequences. He is amazing. Uh, the first movie is about a guy who's going to retrieve the head of a statue that got cut off from a town. And that's the whole movie is him going to find this head. And it's like in current times. And then Ungbok 2 goes back in time to, I believe, the person who's the statue who got the head cut off of. We're going back to him. 
I think. I don't know. I've seen Unbuck 2 at least 10 times, and I really don't know what the plot is. Hmm. <laughs> I think that he was a prince and his parents died, and then he's getting revenge. I think that's the plot of it. <laughs> but I don't know. But it's all about Tony John, his fight sequences. It's amazing. Um, there's this fight where he is like he i don't know if he's actually drunk or if he's pretending to be drunk but it's amazing i don't know how to describe it and i i don't like that i don't know how to describe it it's just you should just watch that scene just look for tony jaw unbuck too it's great um he also has this scene where he's walking on elephants backs that he does like like actually does no cgi he's like running on top of like 10 different elephants backs like while they're stampeding it's the craziest thing i've ever seen um but yeah tony jaw i really wish he was a bigger thing he was in a couple of movies here in america but i think the language barrier was a big thing and he couldn't get as big as he should have been i think he was in one of the fast and the furious movies um like as yeah, just he, like a side like he a was side in furious character. yeah he was in furious seven and then uh, he was in uh, like Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, the one with yeah. Vin Diesel again. Um, he was in uh, The Expendables <clears throat> as oh, yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> but he's yeah he's incredible. Have you ever seen The Protector? Yes the the staircase scene. Yeah, the, the one yeah. shot staircase thing. Yeah, that is the so Protector's good. really good. Yeah, Tony Jaw is incredible. He's all about like flying knees and stuff. Very you know Muay Thai style. Um, and then also, I think Ongbok 2 is with the elephants, right? Like you were saying, he was running on elephants. Yeah. Doesn't he have to protect them or something like that? Like <laughs> actual elephants, not a statue? No. One, no. one of them, one of them, it's so, like... I think it's the protector where he's trying to get back an elephant. Yes. But he seems to have elephants in a lot of his movies. I know. Well, they're <laughs> sacred animals, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the protector, that's what it is. Yeah, he goes to Australia to retrieve a stolen elephant um, yeah. with a Thai-born Australian detective. Bam! It's badass. Yeah. Speaking of scenes I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch that staircase scene once we're done too. <laughs> you should. And then you should watch the raid redemption, but Oh yeah, definitely. Um, That's great. <laughs> he fights that huge white guy who was uh Victus in in Mad Max in the yeah. movie The Protector. I don't know. I, I know you're talking about Ongbok too, uh, but but yeah. Yeah, and Ongbok, I think he's Mad Dog is his character mm-hmm. in the first Ongbok. Mm-hmm. And the announcer's like, oh, my God, it's it's Mad Dog. And Mad it makes dog. me laugh every time because the Mad guy's dog so scared of him for some reason. And his whole thing is he just like throws everything in the room at Jody, Tony Jaw. And it's just like that's his move is just pick up a table, throw it at him, pick up a fridge, throw it at him. It's a great fighting style. Everyone <laughs> <should use> it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, watch Unbuck and Unbuck 2. Unbuck 3, not very Okay, take your word for it. That's and if you go to Walmart, it'll be in the five dollar bin still, probably. <laughs> I bet, yeah, it'll be two fifty at this point. <laughs> probably. All right, and that well, of course was my that was my third two thousand and eight film. I I was big in two thousand eight when it came to international films. Okay, well, I think that uh, that's going to move me to my number five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, this one uh, I had to include. I didn't know if it technically qualified or not uh i had to go with it though it feels like it doesn't but i'm gonna go with the king's speech i feel like it qualifies as international doesn't it eh, i no, won't i wouldn't call it that but <laughs> you don't think why why no not? 
because uh, it was a majorly produced uh, U.S. film that, that it wasn't appeared, produced in the U.S. No, but appeared in market in the U.S. first. So it's not it's not something. So an international it, film. It, would, it, 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 it debuted at Telluride first and then Australia, then the United Kingdom and then here. So those those are our circuits. Those are like the things that are uh, film festivals, difference. like film festivals and stuff. The King's Speech uh, was released on major in the U.S. and had a big U.S. following. Um, so international films, for the sake of the talk of international films, usually start out as, hey, they're 100% made uh, foreign and without much real tie to the U.S., uh, I'll, I'll give you it just because it's, it's, you know, the UK and it's, it's all about, uh, British yeah. folk, <laughs> King George or <laughs> yeah, King George the sixth. So remember so, we were talking earlier. So at the top of every episode, we say we don't share our list with each other. And you know, this, this is proof of that. We don't, I didn't want to clear this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I also, I wouldn't this. consider it, but, but I mean, it's fine. I'm not going to argue that. Well, I'm not going to give you another one. This is my fifth. <laughs> so, nope, <laughs> you're fine. off the podcast. It, it Let's qual- get a replacement. It, qual- it qualifies <laughs> as international as far as I can. Like I said, it's about another country, about an event of another country, starring people of that country, produced by people of that country, released in that country before it was released here. To me, that qualifies, but it, it doesn't fit, fit that per people who know what they're talking about, like Zach, then... then I, I have to, you know, I, I accept your judgment. I really do. But this is what I have. Uh, those of you have seen it, uh, we don't have to really talk about it very much. I just, I love the movie very much. You know, we've talked about it before. I love the actors, Colin Firth, Jeffrey Rush, Helena Bottom Carter. I mean, they were so wonderful in the movie and it was such a massively <coughs> important part of uh, really all of Western history about how, uh, about how he, he overcame his speech impediment about how he, and again, probably a lot of people who have listening to this have seen this movie. If they haven't, they really need to go watch it. I don't know where it's available right now, where it's streaming, if at all possible. You should just buy it. Mm-hmm. It's just a really good movie. So here's a really good way to, to put it. And I, I mean, I don't I don't disagree with you, um, but international film is basically a film that was produced outside the U.S. So this one qualifies for that. But it uh, predominantly needs to be non-English dialogue. So fi- more than 50 percent has to be non-English. And unfortunately, this one would qualify as that. But I will say this is a very good film and I really liked it a lot. I don't think it should have won Best Picture, but I really love Jeffrey Rush, and I really love Colin Firth, and I think they did such an amazing job in it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give their, it to you. Their dynamic's pretty great. Their dynamic's fantastic. I did, that's, I mean, yeah. That's, see, that scene where he's sitting in... Uh, he's uh, like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think about that whenever I, I do a podcast. I'm like, what should I remember? Like, to, to, to avoid stuttering or anything like that. All right. Well, that's my number five. I dig it. That's a good movie. I've never seen it. Seen a long it. Time too. You should watch it. It's good. Yeah, probably. Do you like? Uh, do you like Colin Firth? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Mm. What's your favorite Colin Firth movie? Love Actually. Uh, no, Bridget Jones Diary. Yikes. <laughs> Is that your favorite Renee Zellweger film too? <laughs> no. It's Jeremy uh, Wire. Second Bridget Jones. <laughs> yeah. What Come about on. the third one? Edge of yeah. Desire or it something like that. Right. Edge of Reason. <laughs> well okay so for my uh final pick i am going to one of my favorite films i've ever seen actually um and one of my top 10 of the 2010s decade and uh it's out of south korea 
It is from 2019. It, it was directed by Bong Joon-ho, and it was the first international film to win Best Picture at the Oscars. It is Parasite. Have either of you seen Parasite? No. Sadly, no. I oh see it on Hulu all the time, and I'm like, ah, I should watch it, but I don't want to right now. And then I pass it, and that's <laughs> happened at least 30 times. It is so, so, so good. It is an amalgamation of genres. I don't even know how to describe it as one thing. It's a comedy. It's a horror film. It's a thriller. It is a drama. A little bit of action in there, too. But uh, yeah, all those things kind of wrapped into one. Uh, It deals with uh, symbology. It deals with religion. It deals with class and social structure. Um, Man, it is beautifully shot. It is incredibly paced, incredibly written, directed, acted produced edited all that kind of stuff um i highly recommend it to to everyone if you have not seen parasite it'll it'll blow your mind it's so goddamn good and it's subtitled you know so it's pretty easy to read and you get kind of uh you get past it after a little bit um because they're not that distracting or anything like that but oh man it's so good and it actually so there's a really uh, brilliant quote that uh, Bong Joon-ho uh, the director said when he won the Oscar he said once you overcome the one inch tall barrier of subtitles you will be introduced to so many more amazing films and I couldn't agree more with him uh, there are tons of international films out there that I think everyone should watch if you want to get into them start with Parasite it is oh, so good cream of the crop man I love it I got some great news for you soon. I'm going to have about 16 hours of free time where I'm sitting on an airplane <laughs> and Hey, guess what? I could watch a lot of things. You gotta several, watch it, man. Several movies. I, I, I'll actually, once we get off the podcast, I'm going to download it on my iPad. So like I, I need something to do. I mean, oh. cause I, I don't sleep on airplanes. I just can't do it. It's going to be a rough 16 hours. Ugh. Yeah. I got a hard time doing it too. I didn't sleep on my flight back home because I was watching Formula One stuff. I got into Formula One on my trip. <laughs> so, I got into what the Formula hell is going one. on? It's amazing. It, you I, watch, yeah, it's, no, seriously, I, watch watch Drive to Survive on Netflix. There's four yes. seasons um, and it'll catch you up to the current season, um, which is it just started like a month ago. Um, it's insane. It's it's, it's so it's cool. actually so much fun to watch the races now. I don't yeah. I, I was gonna I say was I've seen Formula One races. It's I've, great now. Yeah, I've seen Formula One races quite a bit. Like I'm not new to Formula One racing, yeah. but okay. Oh man the, it's, the, it's the show the show helps so much because yeah. you know all the back stuff all the drama all the cloak and dagger never actually watching it and I didn't know that there were basically teams that are like in the like 10 to 9 or not 9 like 10 to 7 spot the end and that's where they they want to end like that's their dream is like yeah. oh we got 7th place they're like the midfield like, teams that they're like celebrating at 7th place because they just don't have as good a car as Mercedes or as a uh, Ferrari, Ferrari sure. or Red as Bull. Red Bull Aston and it's Martin, just like yeah. I didn't realize it was like that and it's just like oh this is crazy it's <laughs> it's it's, it's so such fun. a good sport and <laughs> I I'm hooked now so I'm I'm almost done with the fourth season which was from last year 2021 and uh, there I think there are about 3 races in to 2022 the next one is on Sunday yeah. at 10 p.m. so I will be a full-fledged fan at that point and uh, I'm, I'm hooked man but yeah um so i think that's all that's our list right but i do want to i do want to give some quick recommendations though for anybody who is scared of watching international films because you're scared of the subtitles please don't be there are so many amazing movies out there 
But uh, just some quick ones. M from Litz Frang is, is fantastic. I had this written down earlier. Eight and a half by Freder- Frederico Fellini is is incredible too. Persona Ingmar Bergman. Uh, La Dolce Vide by Frederico Fellini. Uh, Rashomon also by uh, Kurosawa. Tokyo Story by um, Ozu. Uh, Yasujiro Ozu, Ozu is supposed to be really good. I haven't seen it, so I can't really speak to it. Uh, Fritz Lang also did Metropolis. That's a very good one. I highly recommend, too, in the sense of any type of... That was a big epic back in the day. Uh, pretty much anything Ingmar Bergman is going to be really important, too. And then finally... Actually, that's it. That's all I got. So uh, please try to get out there, explore, see some international films. Uh, Netflix has a lot. Yeah, they and- do. Yeah. And Korean horror films are some of my favorites. Korean horror films will knock your socks off because they they don't pull punches. They can kind of do whatever they want. And it's freaking amazing. That's why you're seeing a lot of horror films uh, remade from Korean horror films. And, and it's just like we ran out of ideas. But in, in South Korea, they're like, dude, we're going to, you know, do everything. We're going to throw the kitchen <laughs> sink at you. It's incredible. So. All right. Well, I'll do our little rundown here. Uh, Thomas had uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf from France, In Bruges from the United Kingdom, Kung Fu Hustle from China, Let the Right One In from Sweden, and Ungbok 2 from Thailand. Eric had The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly from Italy, where I'm going, uh, No from Chile, Motorcycle Diaries in South America, Les Miserables from France, and the King's Speech from the UK. Zach had Seven Samurais from Japan. The Raid Redemption from Indonesia. In the Mood for Love from China. Fra- ah, my neighbor, my, my neighbor, I can't even. T- Totoro. T- Totoro, that's right. From Japan and Parasite from South Korea. Good list with no overlap. Interesting I that we had it. no overlap. I'm glad that we had no overlap. It's a big, you know, it's a big world out there. Yeah, it is. There's there's some other world out there. Well, you know what? I'm going to take us out of here. All right. All righty. Thank you for tuning in to Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top 5, at ZachDale60, at TomTop5, and at E underscore Shane, where you can give us ideas, tell us if we are crazy, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, we know you did. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you. And remember, it is okay to be wrong, even though you think you're right. Saying that all documentaries are the same is like saying all foreign films are the same. They are not. Go watch foreign films, international films. They are remarkable, people. I'm going to watch more of them, I promise. Hell yeah. Expand your mind. (laughs) It's great. All right, right, guys. See ya. See you soon.